This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? JP's World. You heard it right. JP's World. Get your 10% discount right now. Use it. All caps. J-P-S-W-O-R-L-D. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. And what is up, everybody? Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to your favorite show, to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for coming back each and every episode, each and every week. Thank you so much. Today, I bring you Coach Craig Mulligan, a former soldier who fell in love with football while deployed and who found that need to guide others like me, like yourself, to a better future to guide them, to make them better human beings, and fell in love with coaching. And this interview, let me tell you, changed my life, changed my perspective, and I'm the one that made the interview. And I hope this whole interview changes your perspective too and brings you a message. Expect a lot of stories, expect a lot of lessons on this episode and the next two episodes to come because this is part one out of three so enjoy the episode and at the end i will have a message for you so stay tuned and i'll see you there and that's enough for me people that is enough pre-intro let's cue the real intro Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the JP's World. And welcome back once again, people, to the podcast where negativity ends, where we talk about everything, sports, movies, motivation, shows, current events, and more. I'm your host, JP. Get ready. We're about to start. Here we go. Welcome back, people, to the JP's World Podcast, and I have a very special guest here. It's Coach Craig Mulligan, and let's get to know Coach here and now. Coach, introduce yourself, please. Uh, hey, guys. Hey, listeners. Uh, first of all, I want to thank JP for letting me come on. Um, you know, you're my first podcast ever, so it is an honor. Uh, I, I appreciate this opportunity, so thank you, first and foremost. Um, my name is Coach Craig Mulligan. Um, I'm a young coach, a uh, motivated coach, and I'm excited to change the world. You know, one graduating class at a time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, give me one second here. I have technical problems with the interview. My goodness. Mm, just give me one second. Let me pause this. So sorry about that brief pause, people. Technical difficulties here. But yeah, we're back with Coach Craig Mulligan, the young coach who just introduced himself. And let's start. So, Coach, tell us what inspired you to pursue coaching? 
Uh, you know, <clears throat> I've always kind of had a hero complex. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, feel, I feel as though I've always been driven to be a shield mm-hmm. uh, for those around me. I think it started at a young age. Okay. Um, I, was raised, I was raised Catholic. Um, I had a hard childhood growing up. Mm-hmm. I was in the foster care system for a number of years. Okay. Uh, before I was finally adopted. Okay. And I was adopted into you know a strong Catholic family, mm-hmm. um, in a very um, healthy uh, Latino culture. Um, my family themselves were Irish, um, but there there was something about the town mm-hmm. that fueled that drive to protect those around me. Oh, and I, I think it had a, a strong, a strong tie with, with Latino culture. My wife is Latina as well, um, you know, and I, I, I respect it. I respect it so much. And even growing up, you know, St. Michael the Archangel was, you know, my patron angel, mm-hmm. my patron saint, uh, when I became confirmed as, as an adult member of the Catholic Church. And I've just always had that drive. I, I can't really explain it. I don't know why it's there, but I feel it. Okay. And I, I think, you know, after I went to college, I, uh, I graduated high school at 17. I wasn't ready. Uh, I was not ready for the poor <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, you know, and it showed. Um, I went to bed one night after dropping out of college the first time, mm-hmm. wondering what I was going to do with my life. And I thought about, you know, military. Okay. And I woke up the next morning and I went straight through the recruiting station and I did it. And I think that the military was a good thing for me mm-hmm. because it taught me the life lessons that I hadn't quite figured out yet. It gave me that stability, that structure as a young man that I really needed, that I didn't get other places, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. except for on the football field. Oh, okay. And more to the point, I feel that football and wrestling and just athletics Mm -hmm. prepared me for the military to a point to where the transition was scarily easy. I was already used to being yelled at. I was used to being chewed out. I was used to running until I threw up. You know, so now I was being asked to do it and I was getting paid for it. (laughs) You know, and, and, um, but, I could only do it for so long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I did it for about 10 and a half years in the infantry. And I, I don't know how else to describe it other than my heart hurt and my soul was tired. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. felt emotionally burnt and drained. And I, I knew if I re-enlisted one more time past 10 years that I may as well stay and do the full 20. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere deep down, I knew that wasn't for me. I, I kind of took a look around and I realized that a lot of the guys I went to war with, I fought with, mm-hmm. that had died next to me, that had families that were going through the same thing they were going through just on the opposite end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. they weren't there anymore. I didn't recognize the army because the generational shift mm-hmm. had changed from a wartime mentality to a peacetime mentality. Yeah. So okay. the culture it almost felt like I was a dinosaur living in a new era. And that was just kind of the signal for me. So I got out and I moved home. Yeah. Wow. What a great, what a great, like 
that, that's actually one of the questions, like what was the process from military to coaching? And it's amazing to hear, hear your story. And besides, a coaching coach, I feel like, like it's that, like, like a shield, like a, like a second father to, to, the, to the players. And hearing your yeah. story, I, I don't know, I, wow. I, that, that's, that's the only thing I can say. I want to find words, but I, the only thing I can say is, wow. Like, you know, my, my parents, my parents told me um, they did not want me to join the military. And to be honest with them, I, I, you know, I don't blame them. But when you're 17 and you have no life skills and you're working for minimum wage at Jamba Juice because you dropped out of college, it, it's just kind of like a point in time during which you wonder, like, how long am I going to let this continue for? <laughs> at what point am I not going to be okay with being who I was yesterday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I didn't know how to change. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know how to ask the questions or what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's a lonely place to be. Yeah. And the, the military kind of gave me the time to figure it out. And I'm always going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 24. I'm 24 years old. And I get you totally. Like, that, that, that little question that what am I going to do? That little question that turns into a big rabbit hole, what am I going to do? I've, I've been through that. I mean, me, I'm, I'm from Mexico. Let's, let's get that out of the way. I'm from Mexico. And over there, sometimes they tell us it's a, a priority. But right now, like you said, on this cultural time changes, it's a choice. But my parents told me, you should go to, for your service, to military service over there. But I went and, you know, me, 17, as, as, as teenagers, we always think the most dumbest things, you know? That's why, oh, yeah. that's why I respect uh, people in the military so, so much. Because back, back in seven years, uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to try it. And I went and actually they have like this little lottery stuff. So they pick your name and they pick a ball. And it's the, the, the white ball or the black ball. The black ball means you're safe. You don't need to do the, the, the training. You don't need to do anything. You just go home to your safe, happy life and move on. You're just going to get your certificate that you, you came to the, to the lottery. Okay. And the white ball means you need to do the service. It's all about mm. life, you know? Okay. Mm. And to be honest, as I said, I'm... I'm a, I'm a little dumb teenager and I'm watching a football game during the lottery. I'm in my phone watching the football game while the lottery is happening, happening. And I just turn to my, to my teammate or my other uh, person next to me. And I'm like, let me know when they call me. And I'm, I'm here looking at the phone, looking at the, and then they call my name, uh, Johnny. Um, oh yeah. And, and I step up and they're like white ball. Oh my God, I was, <laughs> I was so blown up. And, and then my dad, rest in peace, he was just happy to walk by and he saw my face all disappointed. Do I draft it? Yeah, I got drafted. Ha, 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 he was laughing at me. Like, like I told you you were going to get drafted. And I'm like, ah, sh-. I didn't want to say shut up because respect to my father. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, shut up, come on. I didn't want to. But yeah, so long story short, I went 
but when I get to the physical part of the military, I'm still a little fat, uh, a little past overweight. Now I can do more exercise than before, actually. But before I was more fatter than I am right now. So they got us to do push-ups and running around. And then the doctor came in and they put us the little the stethoscope to, to check our heart rate. And he's like, nah, man, you're not going to do it. You're not going to cut it. In my mind, I was like, yeah, but everybody was like, weak. You're so weak. And like, oh, Leave me alone. Leave me alone, man. So, yeah, that's why I couldn't do it. It, it kind of it. It makes you wonder why they just didn't do the medical portion first. Yeah. Gave you all the effort, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I get to wonder what would have happened if they would have told me, you can stay. You're going to get in shape. We're going to get you in shape and we're going to make a man out of you. I mean, I feel like I'm a man. I, I feel more mature, but I always going to get to wonder how would have would have I come out if I went through the process. But it's something that is just something in the past, you know, but it's always a, a, a know, that I'm going to have in my mind. When uh, when I joined, I, uh, I get told you, I went to bed thinking about it, woke up the next morning, you know, but I went to bed. I was thinking, you know, okay, so I'm going to go to all the branches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to ask the important questions mm-hmm. and I'm going to get all the information and I'm going to, I'm going to make a good educated decision. Yeah. So yeah. the first recruiting office I went to was the army and, and I went there and I, I talked to him and I said, Hey, so what's the one thing you guys can do for me? The other branches without missing a beat, he says, we can guarantee you your job and we can guarantee you your post. And I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and then they, they took me to take my ASVAB test, right? And that's kind of like, a, I don't know how else to describe it, then like a, a military-specific IQ test. And it's essentially the higher you score, the more options you have. So I, I took my test, and they said, hey, man, throw a dart, and you got it. So I, I said, okay, uh, let me look at this list of jobs. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask the good questions. I'm going to find out all the information, and I'm going to make a good decision. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through this list and I'm seeing some weird stuff, man, like bio-nuclear engineer. I didn't even know what anything was. And about two thirds of the way down, I saw infantry. And I said, you know what, I've seen that. I can do that. I picked it. Didn't even ask. I just said, oh, hey, I'll do this. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. So so that's how I became an infantry soldier. You know, just, it felt right. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I mean, respect, tons of respect and mm-hmm. inspiration. I get, uh, like, see the families, see the videos, like reunions and stuff. And I feel like, wow, it's something really powerful to watch. The, the, mm. Everything, everything that people in the military go through. It's, it's just amazing to see them all, the, the strength that they have to go through all that. I just respect it and I get inspired by it, actually. You know, it's, uh, it's really the first time where I learned, and it's interesting to say this about the military, especially being an infantry soldier, right? Because um, mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally associate this attribute with it, but I, I feel that the military is kind of where I got my first introduction to what it meant to love something more than I love myself, but I didn't understand the concept. Mm-hmm. 
I just knew that, okay, this is what they want me to do. And this is the end result. And I think I was generally aware of like the concept of, of love really, because I, I mean, ever since I got out of the military, I've always defined love as the, the sacrifice of oneself for the betterment of others, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what your role in society is. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a difference between understanding that definition and actually being able to apply that definition philosophically to your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when you transition from, you know, loving people to serving people. Yeah. And that's kind of what led my transition from the military to coaching. I want to, when I got out, man, it was rough. Yeah. Oh boy, it was rough. I, I was lost in the sauce, man. Um, I, I had spent my entire adult life training to fight a war, training to kill, training to survive. Yeah. And when I got out, nobody trained me how to be normal again. I was just expected to figure it out on my own. And that's the, you know, the, the story that I have is similar. Mm-hmm. I with as far as, you know, on average, I feel that a lot of combat veterans that have been through traumatic experiences that have been marginally successful have compartmentalized and Mm -hmm. disassociated themselves from the trauma as a means of survival, as a means of coping. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, I went to school and I got my degree in psychology and I went to graduate school for psychology that I started really learning about why I reacted to things the way that I did mm-hmm. you know one of my one of my favorite books of all time not the favorite but one of them is Dark okay. War by Sun Tzu I mean, he says you know if you know your enemy and you know yourself you never need to fear the outcome of a thousand battles mm-hmm. I was picking battles left and right I was trying to find reasons to be angry so that what I had learned would still be applicable in my life mm-hmm. but I never really understood why and then once I was able to understand the whys behind my behaviors and my thoughts, my life started changing. One opportunity, one choice after the next. Everything turned out to be more positive, to a more positive outcome. Yeah, you know, and I don't regret the process, but I wish it didn't have to be as painful as it was. Yeah. yeah. Life shouldn't be that hard, you know? I mean, it's something that I try to preach Let's say it. I don't know if this is the correct word here in the podcast. That all of us, young people, old people, adult people, all of us, we all should love the process. But as you say, some process processes are more difficult from people to people. And then, I mean, it's amazing your 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 story, your journey. It's it's inspiring. And this, yeah. this your your story, you. I feel like it. I, uh, I don't know how many of my listeners are going to relate to your military, but I know they're going to relate to the process because all of us are going through so much, whether it is the pandemic, whether it is financial situation, whether it is finding your purpose. I feel like this conversation is going to help a lot of people. You're going to change. We, you, you, coach, and I are going to change people's with this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, as, as a coach, that should always be our goal. If, if, if you are a coach, hypothetically speaking, not you personally, but, you know, if you're a coach, 
And your mission every day is not to change the life of somebody that you encounter. You're coaching for the wrong reason. We are developers of people first, and we are subject matter experts second. And when we flip that is when we lose sight of what the true meaning of coaching is, which is teaching and motivating through inspiration and professional development. Wow. That is, that right there, that has to be the quote of the podcast when I introduce you. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that that gave me chills. For real, for real. I'm not joking. I'm not doing this. It, it gave me chills, what you just said. Coaching is all. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And speaking of that, what is the most challenging part about being a coach for you? Reframing perspective. Reframing perspective. What do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, for example, what's your idea of hard work? Hard work? Um, what's your me, idea of hard work in your life right now? For me, it's waking up early and try to learn and apply everything I learn every day and try to apply it at the maximum. And for me, that is part of the hard work and always not let anything stop me. Not let any situation any any obstacle just try to go through it not around not up not down try to go through it that for me is hard work and how long did it take you to realize that that was your definition of hard work oh did you realize that when you were 18 no no not at all you know that would be not at all and that's what i mean by reframing perspective what we really call it is wisdom the mm -hmm. only difference is instead of letting experience teach my players wisdom I try to artificially create it by building cognitive information processing habits that affect how they process and interact the world around them in a way that is conducive towards their goals. In short, I always seek to inspire the other people around me to live their lives as passionately as they can. Mm -hmm. Because once they can do that, they will never fail themselves. Wow. Wow. I mean, I never thought about that because yeah i had a good buddy i had a good buddy of mine i'm sorry to cut you off i, I just okay. thought of this right now nick needhammer um great coach mm -hmm. excellent mentor one of my best friends that i've had for a very long time i asked him what, what's the hardest thing man because like you've coached at a couple high schools now what's the hardest thing that you find you have to do at each high school and you know when i tell you changing their idea of hard work that from him you know, because he, he went from big schools, big, you know, D1, graduating class of 4,000, you know, to, you know, Latino culture school where you have a graduating class of 600 and the resources are not the same. Yeah. The culture is not yeah. the same. And these kids, it's not to say they're not working hard, right? But their yeah. mind, their perspective is limiting their idea of hard work and in effect and in turn, limiting their ability to work as hard as we know they can. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes coaching the same, almost so similar as parenting. Um, parenting is nothing more than the art of reframing perspective. It's just instead of a nine to five job, it's, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. So what if we can take that lifestyle passion and put it towards our job? Exactly. Okay. I get we it. Become, we become, we, yeah. Like, the, the, the world is sick. The world is full of pain. Yeah. And 
everybody's perspective is different. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to reframe what the world needs is paramount. Yeah. Teachers, coaches, we are subject matter experts at reframing perspectives. Exactly. And we see it all the time. I mean, you see true stories reflected in, in, in um, entertainment, like Remember the Titans, okay. right, to name one. Um, the Great Debaters is another one. These stories are so inspiring, and these teachers were able to change the lives of their community mm-hmm. by being the change that the world needed them to. Yeah, exactly. So when I, when I yeah. say that the teachers and coaches can change the world, one graduating class at a time, it's true. Very. We not forget those. Me, for example, I I love my teachers, every single one of them, from middle school through college, and I remember one story. I don't know. I feel like us young people and talking to you, there's some point, and I think maybe you've 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 have encountered with this question from a player. Maybe I don't know. I remember asking one of my favorite teachers in college, "Do you think I'm gonna make it?" I was so afraid, so nervous. It was my first semester. Uh, I'm graduating. I'm graduated as a civil engineer, and now doing podcasts. Oh, that is impressive! Congratulations, yeah. by the way. That is not easy. <laughs> Thank you. And well, my dad, rest in peace. He was a civil engineer, and I wanted to be like him, if not better, to bring him, bring him with me, like you know, father and son, you know, some, something like that. And I remember this teacher was telling us in the first day, this is a class of civil engineers of 200 people. And out of all of you, only 40 are gonna graduate. And I was like this because everybody was not taking it seriously at all, including me. We were just college students. And I remember being afraid at the same, at that exact, exact time I was sweating cold and I was like, teacher when I, I came to him uh, after class and I said, do you think I'm going to make it? I don't know. You scared me to that right there. And he's like, you know what? Come to me in a month. And I came to him in a, a month later after putting the hard work, like you said, because I was like, I don't want to be a bust out. I don't want to be an, another dropout. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that in my family. And I put my nose in the books. I put my nose on the computer and start working. And after that month, I came and he's like, you're going to be one of the top in the class. And I'm sure of it. And I'm going to be there to watch you. And my heart just felt like, ah. And uh, relating to what you say, teachers and coaches change our perspective as young people. Like we can do anything that we want if we put our mind and our bodies to work. Yes. And what we call that, when a group of people can reframe perspective like what you did, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the expectation was met, the challenge was issued, and you rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. When you have an entire class of people that can do that, we call it culture. Culture. And I define culture as identity, or I'm sorry, not identity, as purpose and energy, right? Mm-hmm. And identity. Mm-hmm those three things all contribute, interact with each other to create our concept of culture. And we, we look at our roles in society, like, are you a Catholic? Are you a Christian? Are you an atheist? Are you a coach? Are you a player? Are you a father? Are you a son? 
Are you a civil engineer or are you a teacher? Like all those things contribute to what you portray as your part in the yeah. culture of our society. Yeah. Wow. And now with with we have gone through the toughest or the most challenging part of being a coach. Now the other side of the coin, what is the most regarding part of being a coach? Reward re, re, regarding the rewards. To be honest with you, it's it's seeing my players succeed. Um, some might call that, you know, vicarious living. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I look at the majority of my players the same way that I look at my children. Mm -hmm. I, I see them as potential waiting to be fulfilled. And when they finally fulfill that potential, that gives me validation. I know I changed something mm -hmm. for the better. And there's a story that I have, um, you know, his name's TJ. Uh, he was probably, I'm going to be honest, and, you know, he was, he was the sixth string corner for us. Um, but I knew that he was going to get his snaps. We had a preseason game, and that's part of the promo that um, I sent you. Gentlemen, I got two things for you. I said it right now. One of the things I always talk about is how to be great, right? Yes, Who remembers? The difference between good and great is in the what? It's in the details. It's in the little things that you do to ensure that when your name is called, that when you are challenged, that you rise and you get as close as you can to perfection on every single play. There is something out here that I also want to talk to you about, and that is the right to win. You have earned it with every practice, every rep, every injury. You have earned the right to win. And now it is on you to go out there and take it. Am I understood? Yes. Because they want to take it from you. This is our town. This is our home. This is our war. Match my passion. Because you only have so many games left to play this game that we all love. So go out there and be great. Send a message, set the tone, and we do not lose it. Am I understood? Okay. Uh, uh, we were a first-year team that had never coached together, never played together. I had never been a defensive coordinator before in my life. I was always on the offensive side of the ball. But we didn't have anybody to step up to the plate. And this kid had never played tackle football in a game before in his life. Okay. He was deaf. His ear canal had grown over, so he had to have a hearing aid device. And what he told me is that his high school coach would not let him play because he didn't want him to get hurt. And he wanted to play. He was so passionate about this game. He wanted to wear the uniform so bad. He wanted to feel the weight of the pads more than he wanted anything. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult because when you talk about, you know, in-play dynamics, you talk about calling the play and then calling the audible, not being able to hear as well as everyone else, 
Yes. It, it can feel like you're playing blind. Yes. So he had yes. he had a, you know a slower progression than some of the other players, but he never gave up. He kept showing up. He kept fighting. He kept fighting. And our first game, like my my uh, one of my really good friends was my head coach, and he turned to me and he said, "Hey, hey, coach, who do you want to play first in our preseason game?" And I looked at him and I said, "Who's the best team in the state?" And he told me the Southtown Nighthawks, and I said, "Okay, make it happen." Um, so they they had a veritable all-star roster. I mean, these guys played everywhere from AFL, CFL. Their quarterback, Adam Cruz, went to France. He played for the French national team, and he broke every single European record. Um, and I know him personally. You know, I, I coached him. I sat on the bench behind him for two years before I finally got cut. <laughs> you know, so that's the caliber of athlete that this kid went against toe-to-toe. Wow. And he did not back down. Like, we treated it like a preseason game, mm-hmm. but we brought championship-caliber passion. There we go. And we brought championship-caliber energy. And I didn't care if you were a six-stringer, a seven-stringer, or a first-stringer. You got the same level of attention to detail that I gave everyone. Exactly. So there, there was one part when you talk about the easiest, most rewarding part, he went against Dede Salgado, who is probably the preeminent receiver in the entire state. Um, 6'2", fast, great hands, strong, right? He's good. CJ was going to cover three on him, and Dede ran a nine route. Adam threw the ball. CJ stuck with him the entire way, was right there, and the only difference is, right, Day-Day had more repetition throughout the length of his career. He made a great play on the ball, great throw, great catch. But CJ was there. He did not get beat because he didn't know what to do or because he couldn't do it. The reason why he got beat is because he never had the chance to play enough. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to execute and I put a hand up and I point that ball, he wasn't, he wasn't able to execute as well as Day-Day because he didn't have as many chances to execute. Okay. But the fact that he was there, the fact that he didn't back down, the fact that he was one hand up away from making that play, that's a victory. Yeah, that's, that, that's a stance. That just, wow, that, that just tells you that hard work pays off at the end. Even though, even though he didn't have, like you said, all the repetitions, all the – all the all, all that little percentage, that point one percentage that was missing, but the whole ninety nine point ninety nine was there. Yeah, and you know what? That whole team, that whole team ran over to him and started celebrating like he made that pick because they understood where he was to where he got, and there was not a single person that went over there and yelled at him for not making that play. Everybody was congratulating him. We built this team from the culture up. Yeah. And it showed.
And that was part one of this powerful interview with Coach Craig Mulligan, people. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for sharing. Remember, this was part one out of three people. So expect part two and three real soon in your ears. Just mark your calendars when they drop because i'm going to tell you and let you know through my social media thank you so much to black diamond for making this possible for making this connection this chat this conversation possible thank you so much black diamond because without you my fans will not get to know this amazing person the coach craig mulligan and before i go before i leave you to the outro let me remind you that we have merch, people. We still have merch for the JP's world. There are hats and stickers. So far, um, we have. We, I still have stock on them, but I'm going to let you know the price because um, in the past I used to do it on the DMs, but I'm going to let you know right now. The hats are just $15 and the stickers are $5 each, two designs. Just let me know on the DMs which ones you want and we can arrange shipping. All right, so I'm going to let you guys just go right now and expect part two real soon. And cue the outro. I see you guys later. And that was it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show and are enjoying the episodes, the number one thing you can do for me is subscribe, rate, and review this show. And don't forget to share it with your friends. I'm your host, JP, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.